The plan of God is in full swing. And in this episode, we'll get a brief glimpse into heaven before the birth of the baby that changes the world. You're listening to The Bible Brief. It's been well over four centuries since the second temple was completed, and the people are waiting. Waiting not just since the temple was rebuilt, but really waiting ever since the garden. Waiting since Abraham and the promises. Waiting since David and more promises. And in this waiting period since the exile, they've been waiting as a shell of the former kingdom under Saul, David, and Solomon. There were a little territory first under the Babylonians, and then the Persians when they got to return to the land. Next, the Greeks swept through to defeat the Medo-Persian Empire, only to be defeated themselves by a new empire, Rome. This little group, no longer called Israelites, were now called Jews, people from that southern kingdom of Judah before the exile, the shell of the former glory of the United Nation of Israel, the remnant of Israel whom God had preserved for the sake of his promises. These people, they were waiting, waiting for him, waiting for this Messiah who had been promised since the very beginning of their history, this one who would crush evil, defeat his enemies, bless all the nations of the world, inherit David's throne, and rule over an everlasting kingdom from Jerusalem. The Messiah. He would set all things right. He would finally bring peace and security to this embattled little nation. If only this Messiah would come. Now there's something we haven't explained so far in this podcast, but we've implied it over and over again throughout. Before we see the entrance of the Messiah into the world, we need to talk a bit more about God. God is impossible to quite fully grasp with our minds, and there's something in the Bible that's very difficult to understand, much less explain. It is the fact that God is one, and yet God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some use the word Trinity to describe this. God, as it were, three in one. Tri-unity. Three and yet one. God is Father, God is Son, and God is Spirit. The three so-called persons of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now God's threeness can't detract from God's oneness. The Bible never endorses the idea that there are multiple gods. Somehow God is at the same time three persons, and at the same time only one God. Adequately explaining that to you is something I simply can't do. And when someone says they can explain it, you need to take it with a grain of salt. I've never heard a satisfactory explanation of the Trinity. That said, the Bible doesn't ask us to understand everything. Instead, it asks us to believe, not in blind faith, but in a faith that sees, but doesn't always understand what it sees. What we see in the Bible is the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now back to the Messiah. We get a view into heaven just before the Messiah enters the world. The Messiah who is revealed to be God the Son, And he speaks to God the Father and says this, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. 
God the Son understood the same thing that David and many of the prophets understood. This law that God had given the nation of Israel was never satisfactory to God with regard to sin. Those animal sacrifices that had to be done over and over again for sin, they never satisfied God because they didn't fix the problem. God the Son was going into the world to fix the problem once and for all. And to do that, he needed a body. A body to accomplish the will of God the Father. God was solving the sin problem, and this meant becoming a man. God was going to put on human flesh. This was the mind of God the Son, the Messiah, before he came into the world. The Bible says, Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Mary was preparing for a day coming soon, her wedding day, the day she'd finally have a husband of her own and be able to start a family with him. Mary was excited. It wasn't just any man she was going to marry, but a good one. Joseph was an honorable sort of man. He looked out for others and followed the law as best he could, the law that God had given their nation long ago through Moses. And he'd even told Mary that he was a descendant of David. Yes, that David, the great King David. Well, Joseph was no king, but hey, being descended from one was something. Mary was excited for when their betrothal, their long-term engagement, would finally end. And it would end with a wedding. But these thoughts were soon interrupted by a voice and a figure that could only be described as an angel of light, a messenger from God. He said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Marriage may have been on Mary's mind before, but now something even bigger was on her mind. The Messiah was coming, and God was going to use her in the process. Now Joseph wasn't as enthused when he saw the baby bump. He apparently assumed that Mary hadn't kept her end of the marriage bargain, and he soon planned to break off their betrothal. This may seem harsh, but what would you think in that situation, when your young almost wife told you that she was pregnant, and you know you couldn't be the father? He decided that divorcing their betrothal was the best course of action for everyone involved. Divorcing here being a bit different of a concept in the ancient Jewish world than today. They were essentially legally married as part of their betrothal, but they would not have consummated their marriage physically. This is why Joseph was put off by her pregnancy. How else could he understand her baby bump except thinking that she'd committed adultery with another man? 
In fact, the Bible says this, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Joseph had a different kind of commission from God. He wouldn't carry the Messiah like Mary. Instead, he would raise the Messiah as his son. But how could he raise Jesus? How could a mere man raise the king who would reign on David's throne? What did he know about being a king? How could a mere man raise the one called God with us? How would he explain any of this to the rest of his family? Joseph may have imagined Abraham. Maybe he said to himself, you know, Abraham wouldn't have known how to explain sacrificing Isaac on that mountain either. He simply did as God asked. And then God provided the ram instead of Isaac. Perhaps Joseph said, I can try to be like Abraham, the faithful man who trusted in God, even though he didn't understand. God would surely help Joseph raise Jesus. Now in those days, the Roman Caesar decided he wanted to identify and count all the people in the Roman Empire. But this wasn't as simple as just turning in a form to your local DMV or anything like that. This census required travel to specific locations based upon one's lineage. And in Joseph's case, because he was a descendant of David, he had to travel with Mary to a town called Bethlehem, the ancient city where King David's family was from. And the Gospel of Luke records that, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The Messiah, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God the Son, was born as a little baby in a little town and laid in a little manger. God's big plan, swaddled in his mother's arms. But their evening was interrupted. Soon some people came in in a very excited manner. They looked both shocked and amazed. And soon they told Mary and Joseph what had happened to them. While they were keeping watch over their flocks that night, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord. And this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And that's what they told Mary and Joseph. An amazing story to cap off an amazing day. Jesus was born, 
and God chose to announce it to shepherds first of all. This kingdom was sure off to an odd start. You'd think that the God of the universe would announce his entrance into the world in a bigger way. Maybe with invitations delivered by angels to all the kings of the earth, animals gathering to praise God, a one-million-instrument orchestra, maybe some lightning and thunder for good measure. Well, needless to say, that's not what happened. Instead, the God who created all things was born to a young woman, laid in a feeding trough for animals, and celebrated by shepherds on that first night. God came in a humble way, a way not seemingly fit for a king. But there would be a lot in Jesus' life that wouldn't be fit for a king. Most of Jesus' life on earth wasn't really fit for a king at all. But he knew that going into it. You see, Jesus didn't just start to exist as a baby. He had always existed. He simply came from heaven as a baby. The eternal God, God the Son, chose to leave his throne in heaven to become a human and be born of a woman. The plan of God was in full swing. God the Son had become a man and was born as a little baby. God the Son received a body prepared by God the Father and created by God the Holy Spirit. This body, the body of Jesus, was the tool that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would use to begin to set things right in the world. This body would help solve the sin problem and begin a new era of peace and justice with Jesus reigning on the throne of David from Jerusalem. The kingdom of God was being prepared by the Trinity of God. But on the road to David's throne lay a cross to be carried. Yes, God the Son had a body, a body to be broken. Join us next time as we see the beginning of Jesus' ministry and see a prophet say about Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Are you enjoying the podcast? One of the best ways for the show to grow is for you to share it with a friend. Will you do that today? We'd love to help more people understand the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Thank you for your support and thank you for listening. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.